0: chapter 1, and I'm going to continue on this legacy series. This is probably one of the hardest messages to ever preach or to have to preach. Because this is the kind of message that if you do not Preach or live this kind of message, people can see it right away. It's a very difficult message to preach. Because right away, this is the kind of message that has the listener look at the preacher and go, I don't know if I can believe him or not. It's a difficult message. So I'm going to do my best to preach this message with all care and concern, clarity, but also most of all, what I'm preaching about, humility. John chapter 1, let's begin in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, we could actually stop there and that's pretty much the message, but... We're going to continue on. Simon Peter's brother was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did, somebody say first thing. What he did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and he brought him to Jesus. Let us pray. Father, I pray that you would allow me to preach this message with all clarity and understanding, Lord God. Lord, I pray that the passion would be balanced with an understanding of humility and a concern, Lord God, for your people, your sheep. These are not mine, Lord God. These are your sheep. I pray right now, Father, that there would be anybody who needs faith to arise and strength to happen and a new life to change that had come forth here today. I thank you and I praise you, Lord God, for what you've done and what you're continuing to do. Remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. This is your church in the heart of the bay. In Jesus' mighty name. And all together we said, Amen. before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell him one of Sonny's guys. Now, if you're sitting at a table, if you want, you can turn your chair a little bit to kind of get yourself a little bit more comfortable. And I say that because I want your body to be as comfortable as possible because in just a little bit, this message might uncomfort your spirit. When I was younger, I remember growing up in church. And being involved in the youth group here in Victory Outreach of Hayward, and we had a lot of great times growing up in the things of God. There are actually even a few of you here that were probably in the youth group when I was there or part of the youth group when I was in youth ministry. And some of the greatest times that I remember we had, or even I had, was at what we would call winter retreats. And these winter retreats, we're a great time together because many young people from all over Northern California, we would get together and we would have about a good 30 to 40 churches and we would come together and we would get away for about uh, two nights and three days and just experience the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine uh, uh, about a good five, 600 young people, eight, uh, uh, the ages ranging from 12 to 25 years old, just lifting their hands and experiencing God? I mean, that's powerful. It's a powerful time, and I remember these times. These were actually some of the greatest times of my life. Going to winter retreat, they were actually even some of the craziest times in going to winter retreat, because those were times where I don't know. It's almost like we we felt like we could be spiritual gangsters, and we were like church bang. It was weird. We had like church bangers. We're like yeah, from Hayward. Yeah, I got a sock, and I'm gonna hit you with it. You know? It's not a knife, but you're lucky it's not a knife because I'm taking, you know, you know, we were just, you know, we were little kids, you know, 15, 16 years old. What do we know? We just we take snowballs and you know, we'd go to winter retreats, and yeah, this is for Hayward. You know. We we're just playing around. But I want to tell you something too. We had some powerful services. And at some of those, some of those services, man, I want to tell you something. I felt I like I was the only one in the room. Oh, powerful. I mean, I felt like God was speaking directly to me. And I remember one retreat in particular that I was, I think I was 18 or 19 years old. And at the time, I was playing drums. I, I played a lot of drums in the church. And they had asked me to play drums for the winter retreat. So I took my drum set and I was there. And I was playing drums. And the, the meetings were powerful, a Thursday night, Friday morning, a sa- a Friday night, and then a Saturday morning came. And I remember that morning, it was very unique, and the anointing was very powerful. And that retreat, it ended with one of our elders preaching a message, and the elder was Pastor Ed Morales. And when he spoke this message, man, it was a great message, a powerful message. If I'm honest with you, I can't remember every word that he spoke about or probably even the exact theme. I do remember that it was about sending young people out. It was about people rising to the challenge and rising to the call. But I remember the altar call in particular because I was playing drums. And actually, just like that, matter of fact, I think it was that drum set that I took there to the back. And I was playing in the back just like that. I was off in the corner. And I was playing drums for the altar call, and and young people were here, about a good 500 young people at the altar. And there was a few of us on stage, we're singing songs, and we're playing, uh, you know, the instruments, and and, and worshiping God. And I'm just there, you know, I'm playing drums. And and the thing about it is that sometimes is that even though I'm playing drums, I can't get lost because I got to stay, you know, like if the drummer goes off, everyone's off. Let's just. It's just the way that it is. If the drummer's off timing, you know, for some of you, sometimes you clap, you know, even you're like, you don't have rhythm. But if the drummer goes off, you're like, all of a sudden your rhythm comes up, like, hey, he's off. Something's wrong with him. Every single one of us have an innate rhythm inside of you. You just do. And when the drummer's off, I was like, wow. So I have to stay on. I'm being on. You know, the power of God is, you know, we're maybe singing that song. Let it fill this temple. Oh, the glory. Come and rise. And uh, I'm trying to get on, but, man, I'm getting lost in the presence. I'm like, yeah, come and rise. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, okay, yeah. We're, I mean, I'm getting lost. And then I remember we brought it down, and boom, I stopped playing. And I was like, man, this is just. I lifted my hands, and I was lifting my hands. And, you know, the, the stage was very dark. You really couldn't see us up there. But the, you know, the lights were on out here. And I'll never forget, Pastor Ed was preaching. And all of a sudden, as the altar call was going, and people, he's sharing the word. He's speaking, and he goes, where's on?" I'm like, what? He's like, where, where is he at? I don't see him. And they pointed. He goes, oh, well, he's over there. And he turns around and he goes, Oh, okay. You know, pastor is real cool. Real cool, real complicated. He turns around, and he goes, God's got a word for you. You're going to help Sonny and Timothy at the time. He was the gang leader. Sonny and Timothy Argonzoni. And you're going to be a helpmate. And you are going to benefit the ministry with strength and clarity. And he started giving me more words. And I just sat there in my chair, broken. Everyone's here, broken. you know. But he turns around and he gives me a word. 18 years old, receiving a word. I'll never forget that moment. Because at that moment, that's what I felt. I've been saved for a little bit of time. But at that moment is when I felt that I was going to be one of Sonny Jr.'s guys. It was a moment that I'll never forget. And there's a moment here in the book of John, chapter 1, and it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. See, it's not great to be known as a person's little brother or To live in a shadow of someone. I remember when I was younger, and I wanted to go out and play. And my parents would tell me, if you're going to go play, take your sisters. Oh, man, I want to take my sisters. That's the only way. You got to take them out. I want to go play with the fellas. I want to go play with the guys. Doesn't matter. Take them with you. Oh, man. It's not very great to be known as... Stevon's little sister, Stevon's little siblings. It's not exactly the greatest of great things. The funny thing about it is that even though my sister, she used to come with me, and all of a sudden she became like a tomboy, got involved with sports. She became one of the best on her team, and uh, volleyball and softball, all because probably because she hung out with me. Like, all right, I got to play with you. Catch the ball. I don't care how fast I throw it. Catch the ball. There she is, you know, four years old. Ow! I'm nine years old. You better catch this, mom said. It's not exactly very flattering to be known as Stevon's little sister. It's not exactly the greatest to be known as Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. See, most younger siblings can identify with being someone else's brother or someone else's sister. But before this can happen or occur to anyone, this can really become, uh, this really can be a shock to someone's pride or to someone's ego. Simply to be connected to a bigger person. Leonard Bernstein, the great American music composer who composed many great plays and great great musicals like West Side Story and it even was a part of the New York Philharmonic. Leonard Bernstein was asked, what is the hardest instrument to play? Right away, without hesitation, he says, second fiddle. Nobody wants to be second. Everybody wants to be first. In my short time here within this ministry, I haven't been around that long, yet I still have been around a long time. But I say that because I still see prayerfully a brighter future ahead. I've seen a lot of men and women battle with this type of fight, this type of struggle. It's very hard. And this is the battle of humility. The battle of humility is a very strong fight, It is stronger, it is louder than probably any fight you will ever come up against. It is the battle against your pride. It is the battle against your ego. There is a battle that goes on. Even I know when I first came here to Victory Outreach Church, I know there was a battle even with some, now, to me, I didn't think there was, but actually somebody even came up to me and told me, they said, Pastor, when you first got here, I'm going to be honest, I battled with that. And they were very honest with me, and I took that to consideration. And he was very honest. He goes, but I'm not going nowhere, but I just want you to know, I, I first did. Because I had a battle a younger pastor with a young man. I had a battle with the fact that this man was younger than me. I had a battle with the fact. See, this was something that even happened with many times, even with Jesus, when the teachers of the law, who had been around a very, very long time, here's Jesus, shows up on the scene, and he just questions their ways and says, what, there's no way this even happened to Jesus. It's happened to many people. And there's a lot of times this battle, this is the battle that you will not hear a lot about because it's an inner battle. It's an inner fight. It's an inner struggle. See, playing second fiddle has to do a lot with sacrifice. It has to do a lot with sacrifice. My father used to always say, and I'm going to say it a lot here this morning, it takes a big man to submit to a bigger man. It takes a big man to submit to a bigger man. How many times have men come into the home, They've looked at the director and say, I know more than this guy. How many times have people come into the church, they've looked at different leaders and go, man, I'm older than him. I know more than her. I know more than him. It takes a big man or a big woman to submit to a bigger person. It's not easy to submit. It's not easy to sacrifice. See, sacrifice has a lot to doing with dying to yourself. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. Sacrifice. See, my friend, when it comes to pride, pride is the result of having confidence in self. But humility is the result of having confidence in God. Pride is the result of having confidence in self. But humility is is the result of having confidence in God. Write that down, put it in your phone, put it right there in your restroom, do whatever you got to do, put it on top of your bedside, put it right there. Humility is having confidence in God. That is something that each and every one of us should desire when we come here to church. That when we leave here, that we do not have confidence in self, but we have confidence in God. This right here is something that many people have to battle with. You know who has to battle with this a lot? Wives have to battle with this a lot. Girlfriends have to battle with this a lot. It was something when we were coming, or excuse me, when we went down to San Diego, me and my wife, my wife had to battle with this a lot, a lot of times. Because they would, I would have to introduce my wife say, oh, this is my wife. And then when they would see her around, they would go, oh, uh, what is your name again? Oh, this is Stevon's wife. Oh, that's that's uh, uh that's Pastor Daryl's wife. Nobody ever, I don't know why. I'm me. I am a woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> Pff, I hate wife. Yeah, right. Oh, who's this? This, is, this is Ray's girlfriend. You're sitting in the front, bro. I couldn't help it. That's what happens. This is so-and-so's wife. This is, see, it's very humbling to be known as somebody else's shadow. It's very humbling to be known as someone else's little siblings. It's very humbling. See, not just any person, not just any wife, not just any girlfriend, not just any person can play second fiddle. But I want to ask you the question here this morning: is is playing second fiddle, is it really all that bad? Is living under a great shadow, is it really all that destructive? See, it's just many haven't been able to become a victor in this battle. See, Andrew, just like you and I, had his place in the overall awesome plan of God. And here in John chapter 1, it is said that first, Andrew had to do this. First, he must do this. Go find his brother. See, there was a lot of things that God was going to have Andrew do. There was many things. But first, he's got to go do this. See, there's a lot of things that maybe some of you here, that you're going to do great for God. But first you must play second fiddle. There was a lot of things that Andrew had to do. There was a lot of things that were going to happen within his life. God had a powerful plan for him. God had some great things to happen. But first, he had to play second fiddle. See, there's always good and plenty of significant things to do when you're a Christian. There's a lot of things that are going to happen. I share with you even here how I talk about Oh, I, I, I was playing the drums. But first, before I was even playing the drums, I was driving my parents crazy in my bedroom playing the drums. I sounded horrible. I mean, horrible. In my mind, I sounded great. I mean, I, I sounded like I was, you know, playing with Tower of Power or something. I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's awesome. But to my parents, it was like a clanging symbol, Ah! And it literally was a clanging symbol. I know many people a lot of times say, man, I, I want to be a leader. I want to be a pastor. I want to go I want to go do this. Good. But first, play second fiddle. I'm going to do great things. And Andrew, he was going to do great things. God had great plans for him. God was going to do some powerful things within his life. But first, go find your brother. It's a humbling thing to go and find your family. Peter, he owes all that he is and has to his humble brother, Andrew. If there's no Andrew, there's no Peter. Back in 2002, our church, we had a uh, 20-year anniversary banquet. It was a great banquet, powerful banquet. Loved it. And at the banquet, the, the church, the leadership, they got together, and they put my father on a cruise. They gave him a cruise. And they were able to not just pay for him, but actually paid for our family. So actually, the, the, all our family, my, myself and my two sisters, we went on this cruise, great cruise, it was an awesome time uh, that we had, powerful, great. It was actually one of the biggest cruise ships at the time. I don't know if there's a bigger one, but at the time in 2002, it was the biggest cruise liner, that, what they called sailing the seven seas. It was awesome, great time. And I remember there was a couple times that we we went into the port. And when we went into the port, I remember we would, they allowed us to get out, and we would dock right there. And it was a great, great time, and we would come back. But I remember coming back, and I would see these little ships, or what they would call boats, tugboats, these little tugboats. And the thing about it is that here's this big old huge ship, it's huge, but it can't go nowhere unless the tugboat gets the ropes and tugs them out to sea. As big as the ship is, as great as it is, it's not going to be able to do nothing without this little, itty-bitty tugboat. See, once that ship goes out to sea, once the big cruise liner goes out to sea, then the tugboat, back to port. That's it. Can't do anything. Got to go right back. If there's no Peter, or excuse me, if there's no Andrew, little tugboat, then there's no cruise liner. There's no ship. See, a lot of people, they want to get on the ship. But I want to tell you something. The ship goes nowhere without the tugboat. Got to have a tugboat. See, Peter was going to do some great and mighty things for God. He was going to do some powerful, powerful things. But if there's no Andrew... There's no Peter. It took a little tugboat by the name of humble Andrew to go and get Peter from his hell-anchored life. The same could be said of also even our founder, if you read the book, Treasures Out of Darkness. Pastor Sonny was actually brought to the ministry there in Teen Challenge by a man by the name of Chino. Little Chino. Drug addict world called him good for nothing, reject. Matter of fact, even at the time, he was doing good, but then he started doing bad. He was one of those, like, good, bad persons. You know, in the church, but, like, go out and still get loaded, get drunk, or whatever. But he was in the church. But he brought Pastor Sonny to Chino Challenge. Very possible. I don't know. If there's no Chino, there's no sunny. If there's no sunny, it might not be a victory outreach. See, when it comes to being a humble person, and when it comes to humility, my friend, it has to have a lot to do with sacrifice. It has a lot to do with that. See, this is where you and I must realize that God is doing something powerful, even if you do not see it with your very own eyes. See, who knows the person that you're bringing into your ministry even right now? Who knows? See, a lot of times we think right away they're going to get saved and this is the next Billy Graham. No, maybe right now they're just Bill. They have no idea who. Maybe right now they're just getting off of drugs. Even in the home, a lot of times. See, that's why it's very important that our men's home directors and our leaders. Even the leaders within our church—that we don't look at the home and we go, man. These are just a bunch of drug addicts, dope fiends, crazy nuts. Ah, society don't want them. I don't know. They'll say no, 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 no. We say okay, drug addicts, alcoholics. True, they were. But they're cruise ships in the making. They're, they're making powerful, powerful cruise ships. In the making. See, I know some of you guys right now, I don't see it. I just want to get off drugs. But our home directors, our leaders, tugboats, bringing in these mighty ships. See, this morning, we're talking about humility. It's a very difficult subject to talk about. It's very hard to deal with. But once you get this, It becomes one of the greatest lifestyles you can ever have. Dr. David Livingston, he was an explorer and a medical missionary to Africa. He used to live in the deepest parts of Africa, which made him travel a lot by train. He used to travel around as a doctor, but also as a preacher. He became a national hero of the 19th century and even gave rise to the very popular quotation, Dr. Livingston, I presume. He was a very wealthy man, but he would always travel by train. But in this traveling by train, he would always travel fourth class. Now, he had the money to travel first class, but he always chose fourth class. One day, somebody seen Dr. Livingston, and they asked him, they said, Dr. Livingston, why do you always travel Fourth class. You have the money, you can go first class. You can go, you know, be up there with the rich. Why do you always travel fourth class? His answer? Because there's no fifth. Because there's no fifth class. See, living a humble life has nothing to do with attaining riches a humble life has nothing to do with being bigger or stronger than the person you're sitting next to. See, my friend, it doesn't matter who does that job as long as the job gets done. See, it's far more impressive when others discover your good qualities without your help. Somebody begged the question, why does God want all the glory? Because he can handle it. Why does God want all the glory? You and I can't handle it. I'll be honest. You and I, we can't handle it. A great preacher once said, the human animal is the only one that you pat him on the back and his head swells. Good job, man. Good job. Really? Thank you. Oh, that's awesome, man. Oh man, you sing so awesome! Yeah, thank you. I, know. I know. Thank you, man. You just dress so good. Yeah, I know. Huh? Thank you. Thank you, man. I love the way you lift your hands. Oh, thank you. I know. It's a great hand, model hands. I know. Thank you. Pure L. <laughs> thank you. Sometimes, if you give people too much glory, man, they can't even fit their head outside the door. They're like walking bobbleheads. Hey. That's why when we come to church, when you come to church, if you've done something great, you need to come to church and give God the glory. Don't take the glory for yourself. Someone once said, None are so empty as those who are full of themselves. See, Andrew. Simon Peter's brother had to come to grips that Peter had a much more prominent call upon his life. This was the two talent life versus the five talent life. He had to understand that what Peter was going to do was going to be far more greater than what he was ever going to accomplish. See, we need to realize that here in this church, what we're doing, this is a team. Nobody is doing this on their own. You need to know something. No matter what preacher comes behind this pulpit, it's not the preacher that makes this church. It's the team. It's the people. It's every single person that is in here that makes this work, that makes this happen. This is a team. And I love it when I see certain baseball teams and football teams and soccer teams and you see one person score the goal and he goes, good job, man, good job. You did, I didn't do it, you did, you did, you did, you did, you did, you did. I like those guys. At the beginning of this year, I'm going to be honest, I'm a 49er fan, but at the beginning of this year, I got really perturbed, man. I got really perturbed. I was happy that we acquired this receiver who was great back in the days, but really not that great now. Randy Moss, a lot of people know him. We acquired a great, I was, I was actually looking forward to it. I was like, yeah, all right, we're going to have him. And I'll never forget, it's the Green Bay Packers. They throw on the ball. He scores a touchdown. And I was like, yeah, but I'll never forget this. I was like, yeah, all right. Moss, man, we got Moss. I'll never forget, he turns around to the camera, and it goes like this. Has his last name on the back. It says Moss. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, Oh, man. See, the name on the front of the jersey is much more important than the name on the back, the team. And I got real disappointed when I saw that. And I get disappointed every now and then when I see people, yeah, look what I did. Look how great I am. Yeah, well, you didn't throw the ball to yourself. You didn't block those 350, 400 fifty, four hundred pound linemen trying to come and kill you. Somebody else did that. You didn't do it. You didn't come up with all those plays and schemes, stay up late night on the hours, putting that playbook together. It's bigger than war and peace. Have you seen those things? Those playbooks are huge. You gotta memorize those things. You didn't do all that. All you did was catch a ball. That's all you did. You didn't do nothing. Listen, my friend, you need to know something. This church, these people, we do this as a team. No man is an island. So you and I should count it as a privilege to be used for God's honor and for God's glory. There's a story told by my father. About many years ago, my father went with a group of people To Pastor Sunny's house. This was back in the early 70s. And they went there for a Bible study. And as they went there for a Bible study at Pastor Sunny's house, Sister Julie got a letter in the mail. And she's seen how touching and how powerful the letter was. So she had one of the men read the letter to everyone in the Bible study. And the letter was read like this. I was watching a TV show on TBN the other day. And seen a host by the name of Sonny Argonzoni. If that's you, or I want to know, if that's you, if so, I am now the presbyter here in Florida in my church. I would like to know if your name if your mother's name was Georgina. Because if that's so, many years ago in Brooklyn, New York, your mother used to preach on a street corner. Six days a week. The same street corner every day. We would walk by and we would laugh at her. We would mock her. We would make fun of her. But one day, God touched me. Seeing her perseverance, talking about Christ to everyone who would walk by. She would do this six days a week, except on Sundays when she would be in church. And I want to know if you are that Sonny Argonzoni. And if you are, I want you to know this. Your mother preached six days a week for all these years until you were born. The day you were born, she stopped preaching on the street corners and dedicated her life to raising you. The mother of Pastor Sonny Argonzoni learned how to play second fiddle. The mother of Pastor Sonny Argonzoni learned how to be a tugboat. Put the plans on the side to see the plan of God flourish and the kingdom of God grow. See, humility is quite a commodity, and not many can commit to it. This reminds me of a joke my father told years ago. There's a story of a frog who used to hang around with two eagles. And every time the eagles had to leave, he couldn't hang around with them. You know, so here's this frog, and there's two eagles, and they're kicking it. But every time the eagle said, okay. I got to go. And they'd fly away. And, they, and the frog would look at the eagles and go, man, one day. One day. So after some time of hanging out with the eagles, there was the frog. The two eagles were there, and they were getting ready to leave. The frog came up with an idea. He says, I know. I'm going to fly with the eagles today. So this is what he did. He got a stick, and he told one eagle, you hold this side, and he told the other eagle, you hold this side, and I'm going to bite it in the middle. I'm going to fly away, and I'm going to soar with the eagles. So the eagles looked at the frog and said, okay. So one eagle grabbed one side, the other eagle grabbed one side, and he bit it in the middle, and fly away. And there's the eagles flying. And there's the frog flying with the eagles, soaring high. Then as they were soaring, a little old couple looked up in the air and saw the two eagles and a frog. As they looked up, the little old man said, wow, look at that. A frog. He's flying with the eagles. He's biting a stick. Wow. That is awesome. I wonder who thought of that. Then the frog was there and go, I (laughs) did. Fell right to the ground. See, my friend, pride comes before a fall. And sometimes you need to understand that the higher you go, the harder the fall. See, my friend, what you and I must realize is that the Christian life requires constant maintenance, constant dying to yourself. This, my friend, being a Christian, getting saved, that's just the beginning when you first get saved. But after that, you got to be able to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So you know what, today is a good day to die. See, in a caption for that on a movie coming up, it said, today is a good day to die. My father used to say that a lot many years ago. I think Bruce Willis owes my dad's royalties for that one. Because They had that movie Die Hard coming out. Today is a good day to die hard. So you know what, I want royalties for that. Because it's true. See, what you and I must be able to do, and this is a very thing, a very hard thing to do, is we got to put on the cloak of humility. That's what the Bible calls it. When it talks about the armor of God, it also talks about put on the cloak of humility. You got your helmet on. You got your, your belt. You got the breastplate. You got your sword, your shield, your feet. You got it all ready. But don't forget the cloak of humility. This cloak must be tied strong around us. Don't let this thing go. See, a lot of times when you think of a piece of clothing, you just think, oh, it's real light, it's real, it's not that big a deal. No, did you know that the cloak of humility was actually a badge of honor? It's a badge of honor that you would be able to wear this as a soldier and say, listen, this is what I am. This is who I represent. See, putting on this cloak enables us to withstand the winds of pride. Somebody once said, when someone sings his own praises, he always gets the tune too high. I'm a baseball player and I used to hear this a lot. It's a quote by the name of Barry Switzer. He said, some people are born on third base and go through life thinking they hit a triple. I did this. Look what I did. Look what I did. You didn't do nothing. Somebody put you there on third. You're a pinch runner. That's all you are. You didn't even hit the ball. Oh, look what I did. You didn't do nothing. A lot of people coming to church. Look what I did. look what I got! Man. Oh, did you see what I did? Did you see my sermon? I gave a three hour sermon. Yeah, and everybody was asleep. But you know what? I was I was I was telling everybody right right. This is what I was saying. This is what. It's cool. I'm, I'm glad you did that. That's awesome. It's good to know. See, and you can always tell who's wearing the cloak and who isn't. You could see it. You could sense it. Because the thing about pride is that it stinks so much that the only person that can't smell it is the one wearing it. Look at this smell. Oh, man. How come nobody wants to be around me? Because you don't have the cloak on. You don't have that badge of honor on. See, one thing that I've learned within Christianity, I've learned to ignore criticism a lot of times. Not all the time, but just a lot of times. But in, in learning to ignore criticism, I've also learned to ignore applause. That helps me. People say, how come you don't hear it? Well, that's not a big deal. Well, how come you not That's not a big deal. Either spectrum you want to go. People hate you. That's fine. People love you. That's fine. Oh, you're the greatest. That's fine. Oh, you're the worst. That's fine. It's okay. I don't mind. It doesn't matter. I'm not here for the praises or the criticism of men. I'm not here for that. And for the, So for those of you. That are saying, man, how, how can I do it? You gotta learn how to do that. You gotta, learn, you gotta put it on every day. And the thing about it is that just like clothes, you also gotta wash it. You gotta wash it. Let it be clean. Because if it's not clean, people can tell when it's fake. People can tell when it's fake. Wives don't lie. Do you want a real coach? Or do you want a fake coach? You want a, or more, not even a coach? You want like a roach? Can't even see. That looks like an R on. The, is that an R? I don't know. It looks like it, but I, I don't know. Most no. Give me the real thing. I want the real thing. It's worth it. Cubic zirconium or diamond? I want the diamond. False humility. Or the real thing. See, but the real thing takes work. The real thing takes dedication. The real thing takes you getting on your knees and saying, God, I'm not getting up until I know that I've come into your presence. See, a lot of people, we come to church and we say, okay, God, I just want to do my celestial duty. I'm going to put in my time card and then I'm going to clock out and then I'm going to leave so that when I get to heaven, I can stand before you and say, God, I went to church. God, you got to let me in. I went to church. I know I was being kind of fake outside of church. But that doesn't matter. I was real in church. God says, no. I'm not looking for you to be real just in church. I need real outside of church. And that's why for those of you that know, that know me, this is a very hard message to preach. Not just anybody can preach this message. Because a lot of times when you preach a message like this, they go, yeah, right. I can see right through you, Pastor. I can see right through you, preacher. Not a lot of people want to preach a message like this. It's very hard. It's very difficult. See, submitting unto God. Submission. The Bible says to submit to the Lord. The Bible even says, wives, submit to your husbands. I think all the wives just got up and left right now. Submit. uh. See, because a lot of times when you and I, in, in our English language, we think submit, we think pounding, we think underneath. When you study the word in the Greek, submission, it's actually a military term. And you know what it means? It means get in rank. Get in rank. So that you can fight the proper way. So when it says, wives, submit to your husband, it doesn't say get below him. It doesn't say talk back to him. It says submit to him. So that what you can do is get in rank and fight the enemy together. It doesn't mean fight each other. I ain't listening to him. Well, I ain't listening to her. There's no submission going on there. No submission. See, we tend to think submission is like wrestling, pinning him down on the ground. Therefore, I won. No, that's the thing about submission. There's not about a winner or a loser. Because if one's a loser, you're both a loser. Submit yourself unto God. It's a humble thing to find submission. you got to take that pride. you got to swallow your pride. Somebody once said, swallow your pride occasionally. It's non-fattening. 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to close right here. First Samuel chapter 30, we're going to read in verse 16. First Samuel chapter 30 verse 16 we're just going to read a few verses from here down to verse 20 it says he led David down and later on in the verse it says the great amount of plunder verse 17 then David fought them verse 18 David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken 19. David brought everything back. Verse 20, this is David's plunder. The thing about it as you read the scripture, David really didn't do all that much at all. He was a part of the fighting. But just like coaches at a press conference when the game is over, coaches always say, I didn't do anything. The guys out there, they did it all. They were the ones taking the battle. They were the ones taking the heat. But yet, nevertheless, the Bible gives David the credit. See, it's very difficult to work hard and give someone else the credit. Why? But, but, but I did this. But David fought. But David plundered. But David did this. But David did that. But man, but I did. But I, I was the one. I have a man, but I, 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 I. a very difficult thing to play second fiddle. It's a very difficult and destructive thing to one's ego to play the background. It's very difficult to be a tugboat sometimes. But I want to tell you here this morning, it's one of my favorite messages because this is something that I constantly, every day, preach to myself. Play second fiddle. Play the background. Be a tugboat. Be a tugboat. Play the background. Play second fiddle. Constantly, every day, tell yourself. It's not an easy thing to do. But it's very much worth it. See, David didn't do it all. His men did it. But even though you and I must understand that we must be content with our call. Be content with the call that God has given you. Well, I want five talents. Well, God gave you two. Well, I want two talents. God gave you one. Well, I want. I want. I want to be like. For some reason, God didn't allow you to be born with that name. God gave you your name. That's yours. See, a lot of times we think, if only I had it like him. If only I had it like this. If only I had and you live a life of if only's, and you never are able to play second fiddle with what God has given you. You may never go across the seas and launch across and go out and do great things across the world, but you could send great people and you can do great things right here in your very own city playing second fiddle, being a tugboat, playing the background. A lot of people would know if I were to say, Whitney Houston, yeah. Do you know we're backup singers? Oh, man, he's great. He Do you know they're backup singers? Nah. Well, who cares about them? To the real ones, if you really ask them, they know, no, that's no, not me. Now, these guys are what make me great. I want to tell you right now here this morning, playing second fiddle, being content with your call, playing the background, being a tugboat, there's strength is humility. There's strength, there's power and sacrifice. Being able to play the background. Years ago, my father was a crazy guy. He used to always say that if King David was alive today, he'd be a rapper. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. You know, he would do all this stuff. Who knows, he'd probably be a... Dancer, too. Forget Justin Timberlake. What? Justin Timberfake. Yeah, right. Because he wrote a lot of songs. He did a lot of dances. Matter of fact, even there are songs written about his dances. Powerful. And there's a song that was written about, I believe, about my father. And if my father was alive today, I believe he would probably be singing this song. Now, I'm not a singer. I'm not going to sing for you. But one of the things in growing up is I like this song. I like rap music. But there's this song that I'm going to attempt to give you here this morning, along with my father. We put this video together, and prayerfully it will help you understand just a little bit of what was meant in the entirety of playing second fiddle, in the entirety of playing the background, in the entirety of what being a tugboat really is. If there was any message that my father would sing or rap, if you will, then I believe that this would be one of them here this morning, playing second fiddle. Playing the background. Lyndon Bernstein was asked one time, What is the hardest instrument to play? Right away he said, Second fiddle. Second fiddle takes a lot of sacrifice. It takes a big man uh, to submit to a bigger. It takes a big man to submit to a bigger man. I can play the background. I can play the background. Cause I know sometimes I get in the way. So won't you take me? me, me. So won't you take the free? Second fiddle me, me. and I can play. The Second fiddle. the show, so let me back down. You take the leading role, and I'll play the background. I know I miss my cues, know I forget my lines, but I'm sticking to your script, and I'm reading all your signs. I don't need my name in lights. I don't need a starring and role. And why gain the no whole wide world if I'm just gonna lose my soul? And my ways ain't purified, don't live according to your word. I can't endure this life without your wisdom being heard. So word to every dancer for a pop star, cause We all play the background, but mine's a rock star. Yeah. So if you need me, I'll be stage right. Praying the whole world will start embracing stage fright. So let me fall back and stop giving my suggestions. Cause when I follow my obsessions, I end up confessing that I'm not that impressive. Matter of fact, I'm who I are. A trailer star does leading to the superstar. They I proposed to you that there are two types of great men in this world. First are the Sunnies, the Peters, the Billy Grahams, and the Cruz. These are the men who create legends. They create legends. Then secondly, you have the great men who create men. that help create legendary men. Ah, Playing second fiddle. I had a dream that I was captain of my soul. I was master of my fate. Lost control and then I sank. So I don't wanna take the lead. Cause I'm prone to make mistakes. All these folks who follow me gon' end up the wrong place. So just let me shadow you. Just let me trace your lines. Matter of fact, just take my pen. Here you create my rhymes. Cause if I do this by myself, I'm scared that I succeed. And no longer trust in you. Cause I only trust in me. And see, that's how you end up headed to destruction paving the road to nowhere pour your life out for nothing you pull my card i'm bluffing you know what's in my hand me i just roll and trust you you cause the dice to land i'm in control of nothing follow you with any cost. some call it sovereign will all i know is you the boss man i'm so at ease i'm so content i'll play second fiddle like it's an instrument why does god want all the glory so he can handle it. It's all right, just listen to the words. I know it ain't up there. It's all good. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I can play the background. Jesus. Oh. I know I'm safest when I'm in your will and trust your word. I know I'm dangerous when I trust myself, my vision blurred. And I ain't got no time to play less foolish games. Got plenty aims, but do they really glorify your name? And it's a shame the way I want to do these things for you, yeah. Don't even cling to you, take time to sit and glean from you. Yeah, it seems that you were patient in my ignorance. If ignorance is bliss, because she never heard of this. I can play in the background. Every head bowed and every eye closed. <laughs> every head bowed and every eye closed. Second fiddle. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. First, before he went out and did anything, he went and found his brother. First, before he went out and acquired all the greatness of God and the greatness for God, he went out and did the small things. Here this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to give you the time and the allotment to say, God, I want to do the small things first. I want to do the small things first. All the big things, the great things. Some of you aspire, I'm going to have 20 in my Bible study. I'm going to have a big church. I'm going to go do this, that's great, that's good. I'm glad you aspire to the noble, great things of God. But first, some of you may be here this morning. You might have gotten overwhelmed. You've been to church before. Gotten overwhelmed with other things. God's saying, just do the just do the small things first. How about just get into a relationship with me? Don't worry about the leadership. Don't worry about this. Just you and me. Just me and you. Let's have a good time together. I want to have personal prayer time with you. I want to have personal worship time with you. I want to have a great time. Just me and you. Just humble. There at your job, humble, sitting at your desk. I just want to talk to you. There's your driving your car, turning off the radio. I, I just want to meet with you, just me and you. I just want to play second fiddle with you. I just want you to play the background with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, one of Sonny's guys. People may never know your name. They may hear Victory Outreach, but there ain't no Victory Outreach without you. I'm not that much. I don't do that. There's no Victory Outreach Church without you. But I don't have much to offer. I'm a backslider. I messed up. I drank right before I walked into the doors. It's not me. Yes, it is. God wants to have a personal relationship just with you. Personal. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to make an altar call for some of Sonny's guys. This also includes the women. Submission. Ah, oh, it's hard. I want to submit. With every ear bowed and every eye closed, as they prepare to sing this song, if you say, you know what, I, 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 need, to, I need to get this in my life. I, I need to quit playing around and I need to play the background. I need to quit playing around and fooling around and I need to play second fiddle. It's not the one that I wanted to, to do, but... I had it on the shelf, it's not going to be on the shelf no more. I'm going to pick this up, I'm not going to bury it in the sand. If that's you here this morning, as they prepared to sing this song and you say, you know what, I need to be a humble man, I need to be a humble woman. I may not agree with everything around me but I need this cloak of humility. So with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, you know what, this sermon, this message, was just for me. If that's you, I want you to slip out of your seat right now. If you want to come with your wife, come with your husband, come with your children, that's okay. You can bring them too. If you want to come by yourself, you can come by yourself. But I want you to come right now. I want you to come to this altar and I want to pray with you. Come on, slip out of your seat right now. And we're going to pray and believe that God is going to do greatness within your life. God is going to have some great things with you. He's going to do some great things. But first, but first, but first. I know it's not easy.